Hello there, this is A.D. Robles, and you're listening to A.D. on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. All right, all right. Well, today, I wanted to uh, do kind of a uh, part two of a video I produced uh, and, 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 and uploaded to YouTube yesterday. The video is called Why Culture Changes According to God, and I hashtagged it, No Millennial Despair 2020. And uh, this video is uh, about just sort of the, uh, the idea that um, culture and, uh, and society gets better or worse, bad things happen or good things happen, based on the morality of the people. And this is a topic that I think the Bible teaches very clearly. I think it's, it should be uncontroversial, um, but it is controversial for a lot of people. People don't like the idea that that God promises blessings for cultures that obey him, and he promises curses for cultures that disobey him. And my my premise of this was based on Deuteronomy 28, where God tells Israel that if you obey me, uh, here's the good things that are going to happen. And it, and it basically touches every area of life. It touches um, economics, it touches your household, it touches your uh, health, you know, things like that. It, war, whether or not you're war or at peace, whether or not God will help you militarily or not those kinds of things. And so God says, look, here's the blessings if you obey. Here are the curses if you disobey. And, and people don't like that kind of thing. Um, and I think that there's some confusions as to uh, as to what is actually being said here. I said in my video, a lot of people were saying, well, this is just federal vision. This, 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 is, this is just, this is, this is heresy. This is absolute heresy. Um, and I, I mentioned in my video that it comes, comes from John Calvin. And people were really upset that I said that. Um, but the reality is, I, I read a quote from John Calvin when he was preaching on Deuteronomy chapter 28. I want to read that quote to you here again. This is from his, uh, his sermons on Deuteronomy 28. This is John Calvin. He says this, This is to be applied to all parts of our lives. For example, when a man wishes to prosper in his own person, that is, he desires to employ himself in the service of God and to obtain some grace so that he may not be unprofitable in this life, but that God may be honored by him, let him think thus to himself, Lord, I am yours. Dispose of me as you will. Here I am, ready to obey you. This is the place that we must begin if we desire God to guide us and to create in us the disposition to serve him so that his blessings may appear and lighten upon us and upon our persons. So it is concerning every man's household. So you see, for, for Calvin, this didn't just apply. Deuteronomy 28 didn't just apply to uh, nations and cultures and societies. This actually applied down to the level of your own individual household as well. If you want blessings upon your household, then you should obey God's law. You should obey God's commands. You should abide in the love of Christ. In fact, you know, a lot of people don't know this, but, but if you want to abide in the love of Christ, here's what Christ himself says you should do. Obey what I say. Do uh, uh, obey my commands. You know what I mean? Like that's how you abide in the love of Christ. It's not by you know lighting a couple candles and and putting on some praise music and and just getting all those warm and fuzzy feelings inside. I'm not saying that nothing anything wrong with that. But what I'm saying is if you want to abide in the love of Christ, then you need to obey what Christ commands. The commandments are um, they show you how to love. Like they show you how to love God and they show you how to love your neighbor. The commandments are good. So if we're going to love our neighbor as ourselves, or we're going to love God, then we need to obey the commandments. That's how you abide in Christ's love. 
Calvin continues. He says this, The same thing is true concerning cattle, food, and other things. For we see here in the text that nothing is forgotten, and God meant to make us to perceive his infinite goodness in that he declares that he will deal with our smallest affairs. Which one of our own equals would be loath to meddle with? If we have a friend, we should be very loath indeed and ashamed to use his help unless it were a matter of great importance. But we see here that God goes into our sheepfolds and into the stalls of our cattle and oxen, and he goes into our fields and he cares for all other things as well. Since we see him abase himself thus far, shouldn't we be ravished to honor him and to magnify his bounty? You see, to Calvin, it was amazing that God was concerning himself with small things like our economic situation, like the condition of our flocks, like the condition of our animals, like, the, like, like, like our households, our individual households. And like, that was amazing to him. He's like, man, like even people, like you don't want to bother people to ask them for help unless it's a big deal. But yet here's God promising to help us in even the small things. That was amazing to John Calvin. And it's amazing to me, like, who am I, God, that you're concerned with making sure that, that my, my, uh, that my family has enough, right? Like, who am I, God, to, to, that, that you'd be concerned with my animals? <laughs> who, who, who am I, God, that, that you'd want to make sure that I have clothes to wear or a place to live or, or things like that? Like, that doesn't make sense to me. I'm just a, a worm. And I, I think that makes sense to, it doesn't make sense to a lot of Christians when they think about who they are and who God is and all that kind of stuff. It's like, man, who am I? Now, there has been a couple pieces of pushback regarding this idea of blessings for obedience and curses for disobedience. And there's a couple forms of this kind of pushback. I'm going to talk about two ideas, and um, I'm going to respond to them. And there's really two forms of these two ideas. There's the snarky sort of uh, ultra-pious kind of, you know, I don't understand anything response. And then there's legitimate concerns or questions. So here's how the here's how the ultra pious I don't understand anything response goes. <coughs> AD, you have denied the gospel. You have cut yourself off from Christ. Haven't you read the book of Galatians? How this is this is work salvation. <coughs> that's the uh, that's the illegitimate form of of uh, of pushback. And if you notice if you if you watch that video that I put out about why culture changes, notice the topic is not justification. The topic is not how are we made right before God. That's what this, that's what this man is talking about. He, he, he made a video, an entire video about me. It's a really bad video in many ways, quality and content. Um, but he basically says that, look, this is work salvation. If, if, you, if you say that there are blessings for obedience and curses for disobedience, like Deuteronomy says, then you are advocating work salvation. And of course... I am absolutely not. Uh, nothing in that video was talking about how sinners are made right before God. Obviously, as I've said many times on the air, as I will continue to say, because this is what I stake my life on, we are justified by grace alone through faith, through faith in Christ and his sacrifice and his death and his resurrection. That's how we're justified. That's how we're made right before God. So, so this whole idea of blessings for obedience and curses for disobedience does not address how people are made right before God. 
So this idea that, you know, I haven't read the book of Galatians, it's, it's stupid. If you, if you say that based on that video, you don't understand the video. It's just that simple. Um, but there is a legitimate concern here because I think that some people will say, well, but, but here's the thing, Adam, here's the thing, AD, how, like sinners can't keep the covenant. Sinners can't obey Christ. Because they, they, they have to be regenerated first in order to obey Christ. Like, like sinners, sinners don't want to do it. Sinners are rebels. Like they, they're going to see God's law. And they're going to be like, eh, no thanks. No thanks. I don't, I'm not going to do that. And I agree. I, I, I completely agree. Because, see, even though the blessings and curses that are outlined in Deuteronomy do tell us why a culture changes for the good or for the bad, they don't tell us the, uh, the, the, uh, the way— that, sin, that, that, that people, sinful people, people that were born of Adam, in the race of Adam, how are they able to keep this covenant? How are they able to do what God says, to obey Christ's commands, to, to, to abide in Christ's love? And that's a, a separate issue. Of course, it's related, but it's a separate issue. And what I like to do with this kind of stuff is I like to look at the Old Testament because once you realize this is a, this is a, a fact that I think a lot of people they they know this but they they haven't really thought about like once you realize that the people in the Old Testament in the Old Covenant like Abraham Moses the Israelites once you realize that they were justified before God the same way that we're justified before God in other words by grace through faith you start to realize what's going on with this Old Testament because Deuteronomy comes after. Exodus, <laughs> not, not only in our Bibles, but also chronologically. So here's how it works. God picks his people, right? God chooses. God sovereignly chooses people, a people for himself, and he saves them. He takes them out of the bondage of Egypt. He, he, he takes them by the hand. He pulls them. He protects them. He, he guards them and all of that. So God saves. God has to act first. And only then does he give the people the law. Only after he saves them from the house of bondage does he give the people the law. That's important. You got you to gotta get that order right. He gives them the law after he saves them. You see, people in the United States breaking the covenant of God all the time, basically setting themselves up for curses, nothing but curses, they cannot do the law of God, obviously. They cannot obey Christ in order to get these blessings. It's not possible until they're regenerated, until they're saved. And this is why we have to preach the gospel. This is why our little schemes, our, our political schemes, and 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 you know, you know, our our our, our schemes to sort of diversify the church. You know, we got to get a certain percentage of black, a certain percentage of of Latino, a certain percentage of Asian. Like all those schemes, they don't do anything. It, 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 you have to be regenerated, and and can you regenerate yourself? No, you cannot regenerate yourself. But what is the what does the, the the Bible say? How are people changed? How do people change? Through preaching. Through preaching that gospel. That's how God sees fit to change hearts from a heart of stone to a heart of flesh. That's how God sees fit to change people's minds about his law. You go from being someone who is incapable, unwilling, undesired, doesn't want even to, to, to have anything to do with God's law. You change from someone like that through preaching that gospel, when God regenerates your heart and changes your heart, 
He makes you into a person who wants to obey Christ, who wants to obey Christ. He turns into a person who, yeah, maybe you might have some struggles with belief, but you're that kind of person that says, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. I want to follow you. I want to do this stuff. You see, that's, 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 that's the gospel, man. That's, that's what changes a person. And then that gospel, but, but here's the rub, right? Like that gospel, it changes a, a person, but it doesn't just change the person in like one or one area, like their spiritual life, like, like only in my spiritual life in this little corner on Sundays or maybe on Wednesdays too, if we're lucky, uh, maybe w- during my devotional times as well. That's where I'm changed. No, it changes you in everything that you do. So it changes you. Uh, and how you engage in the economy. It changes you and how you engage in politics. It changes you and how you deal with your family. It changes you and how you deal with your business. It changes you and how you deal with war. It changes you and how you deal with your animals. (laughs) Everything. And that's how culture changes. Because you become a person that says, God, I don't care about your law. And then you turn into a person that says, Lord, I can't do it. I'm grateful for your obedience. I'm grateful that I have your righteousness. I'm grateful that I'm justified by grace through faith. I'm grateful for God, uh, for Christ's active and passive obedience. I'm grateful for all of this stuff. I can't do it on my own, but I want to. I want to obey. I want to follow you. I want to do what's right. And guess what happens over the course of a Christian's life? They start to hate their sin more. They start to obey Christ more. And guess what happens when you start to obey Christ more in every area of your life? When people get that gospel, when when the gospel is preached to the ends of the earth, when we teach those who are, are changed by that gospel to obey everything that Christ commanded, like that commission says, like that great commission says, guess what starts to happen? Society starts to change. Culture starts to get blessed. We, we set ourselves up for those blessings promised in Deuteronomy 28. It's not by our own strength. It's through that gospel. It's through the Holy Spirit. It's through God regenerating his chosen people. That's our hope. That's our hope. And so while I, I, I did not mention anything about justification in that video— um, and, and while you might have a, a legitimate criticism, well, hey, Adam, well, how, we need to know how this hap- like how this happens, not just why it happens, but also how it happens. Well, it happens through regeneration. Regeneration is primary. I mean, you could, you could, if you could somehow find a way to manipulate people into obeying God, we would have already done that. <laughs> it's not, you can't, you can't. Because they've got a, 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 a spiritual problem that needs a spiritual solution. And God is the only one capable of making that change in people. And so we have to remember, like, when he changes people, the gospel changes you as a person. It changes your, 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 your heart. It changes your desires. It, it, it fundamentally changes you from a, a son of Adam into a son of Christ. But when it does that, it doesn't do that in like this weird way that doesn't affect every single thing about you, every way you engage in God's w- world. No, it changes the whole man. That, that's the point. The gospel changes people and, and not just in one area. It changes the people in every area. This is how it happens. This is how it happens. And so... You know that's that's a piece of pushback that I did want to address. I, I obviously don't care about 
the idiotic uh, pushback, like, haven't you ever read Galatians? That's stupid. But I, I do think that there probably is some some meaningful clarification there that, that, yes, blessings and curses for obedience and disobedience, but we all have to be very clear about how this obedience happens. It happens through the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and it happens because God sees fit to change hearts through that preaching, through the ordinary means that he's given to the church. And so that's that. Now, the other pushback that I think is is interesting is is this and, and I think this is I think this is meaningful. I think this actually does we should think about this. And it's like, well, 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 Adam, AD, I I understand what you're saying about Deuteronomy 28 and all that, and it makes sense. And I see what Calvin said, how, you know, if you want to be blessed, if you want God's blessings, that you should probably uh, obey God. Like I, I agree with Calvin there, but but how is this different than what Job's friends said to him, right? Like, how is this different than what Job's friends said to him? And what's interesting about Job's friends, Job is a is 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 a very. Let's see. How should I put this? It's a challenging book. It's a challenging book. It's one of my favorite books, but it's challenging. It's challenging not only to understand. But there are some interpretations of Job that I think sound really good that are very different from one another. I, I've seen a lot of varying different ter- interpretations of Job that, that seem to make some good points. But, but one thing that I think we, we should probably kind of pump the brakes on a little bit is this idea that Job's friends, well, that's just prosperity gospel. I, I really don't think that's the case. I really don't think that's the case. Job's friends were rebuked by God. There's just no question about it. So there was, an, uh, there was an issue with what they were saying. This is no question. But I think that when you read the content of what Job's friends say, that their theology is actually pretty good. They've got some orthodox beliefs in, in what they say. It's not all wrong. It's not all wrong. And I think most most preachers know this, and they and they teach this. One of the things that's interesting about Job's friends is that you can put whatever whatever uh, group that you want to, to 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 paint as heretics, you can easily put them in the place of Job's friends, and you can find certain things that they say that match up with the flavor of the day. They're very useful in that way. <laughs> but no, Job's friends weren't all wrong. Where I think, as I as I read, and I'm open to correction on this, but where, where I think was the problem with Job's friends is not that what they said was necessarily unorthodox in in its entirety, but rather that their application was all wrong. They applied it to Job's situation very incorrectly, (laughs) you know, and, and, and this is the reality. Like, and I said this in my video, so this should have been clear, but if it's not, I'll, I'll, I'll reiterate like the blessings and curses of Deuteronomy. um, They do not, guarantee that you will never have hardships. They do not guarantee that you'll never have adversity to face. They don't, they don't guarantee that. But what they do do is they allow you to frame it into perspective. They allow you to frame it into perspective. We're not supposed to be shocked when the fiery trial comes, but what we are supposed to do is trust God that he's blessing us through this adversity. This is not a curse. This is not a curse. We're being blessed through facing these trials. And I think if you, if you could get a long 
game perspective on things, given a long enough timeline, you would see that this this these promises of blessings for obedience and curses for disobedience hold firm. You can trust God with them. And so though you might um, be facing a fiery trial and it has nothing to do with a specific sin that you did in the past or things like that, we, we, we can still trust God that he is he's guaranteed that we will have blessings for obedience and curses for disobedience. And so we can say, Lord, I don't know what's happening here, Lord, but I know that you want to bless me. I know that you're with me and God, I will obey even in this trial, even in this this difficulty, even in this time of anxiety, I will obey. That's the point. Though he slay me, yet yet I will worship him. That, that, I mean, that, 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 that's the point. Anyway, probably uh, shouldn't just try to jam that last part in there in the last five minutes. Talking five minutes about Job is <laughs> that's a little difficult. But anyway, uh, I hope that you found this video helpful. And if you want more of this kind of idea, this kind of content, I'd be certainly glad to expand upon this even more. I hope this is helpful. God bless. Don't forget to tune in next week on Thursday for AD on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network.